This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce my special guest for today, Jimmy Murray. Jimmy, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Uh, surviving, as we all are, and hopefully a beacon of light to everybody that I'm surviving with. That's awesome. Yes, we are right in the middle of COVID-19 for sure. Apparently, this is the worst week, hopefully, of it all. We will see shortly. Well, before you take us on your career journey, could you tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? It was very abstract. I just wanted to be famous. That's all I could think about all day, every day. I would watch. I remember a distinct memory that just came up right now is when I was watching Friends. And I was watching, uh, I guess, Courtney Cox and uh, Matthew Perry do their thing. I'm like, hey, Mom, would you ever like to meet them? Because I was already three steps ahead in my plan of being famous that I was uh, friends schmoozing with these celebrities <laughs> that I would introduce them to my friends and family. So you're not only assuming you're going to succeed, you're already seeing how you can introduce your family to your famous friends, right? Yes. That's very aspirational. I like that a lot. So how did that manifest itself? Did you walk around with big, fancy sunglasses, act like a big shot? Did you you know, perform on stage? So early on, uh, not knowing that um, like comedy training existed, it manifested itself uh, as a brief music career. I was a clarinet player in elementary school, middle school, and a little bit of high school, and then that pivoted to singing. And when I uh, moved from Maryland to North Carolina, I found out that you could get training just in comedy. You didn't have to go to theater or drama or any of those camps. You could just uh, just find somebody who's a local coach and uh, drop a hundred bucks on them like my dad did. And so he trained, he uh, got me classes in stand-up and the and then he got me classes in improv at the same time. Wow. Okay. So you wanted to be famous when you grew up. You took some acting and some, or some comedic classes. Tell us, what do you do today? Today for my day job, and this is where our, our conversation is going to get interesting, our, my day job is I'm a geospatial analysis developer. And so breaking that down, geospatial is uh, Earth-based, so maps. And then um, an analyst just looks at them. And so I'm a developer, and I just automate what a, a geospatial, what a map analyst would do. And what they do is they draw little footprints. They're called footprints around buildings. This is just like a bounding box. So they'll classify, uh, be a, uh, like colored pixels. They'll uh, classify like forest data versus water data. So green pixels would be forest, and you know blue pixels would be water. We have a big employee gap there, and so my job is to automate all those processes. Um, at night, I do moonlight as a comedic podcaster, so I did partially achieve my dream. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Well, I am very excited to have you on for both respects, uh, especially your IT background, and you went into it a little bit right there. Well, if you could tell us, how did you go from wanting to be famous to your day job and uh, dig into that a little bit as far as your education and your career path to today? Well, as we kind of nosedive into a recession, that really leads into how this all started. It's called, uh, in, in the military, it's called FUBAR, uh, effed up beyond all recognition. I, uh, I really messed up my life in 2007 would be the, the short path. So uh, in 07, I had been studying marketing and film. And the first thing that all companies cut were their marketing departments. Like, we just need to survive. So our, we know our product can exist. We don't need to advertise anything else. So we're going to do that. And then film was already hard enough to get into before the recession. So I had no chance once uh, the recession started, especially after the writer's field went on strike. I worked a series of odd jobs till I um, am bouncing around the country from uh, Raleigh to D.C. to Vegas, 
back to Raleigh, to Iowa, to Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, I got my first customer service job. And from there, I moved back to Raleigh, and I got my second customer service job, got promoted to product support, got demoted back to customer service. And through that, it, it drove the impetus where I was living. It drove the impetus to study coding, because um, uh, the Raleigh-Durham-Capital Triangle area of North Carolina really rewarded just, you didn't have to have a computer science degree. You just If you could write a line of code, you were going to get a job that paid more than $20 an hour, which in that area, you looked like a king. Right. Started learning Python, which got me a job at the laptop, the, the Chinese laptop company, um, Lenovo, which is short for New Legend. Oh, learn something right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, talk, I try to be chock full of trivia. And uh, I remember the interview was, um, so you do, it looks like you've, you've written code code in Python, and you do Excel. Uh, am I going to pronounce this right? Macros. Uh, that's a macro. Well, what's a macro, Jimmy? Well, it's uh, just you do what you do in a spreadsheet, but the computer does it for you. Like, that sounds interesting. Jimmy knows macros. And so from there, I wrote my macros to uh, automate a large number of their processes, and then I... Um, kept optimizing because you get the coding bug, you get bitten by the coding bug, and you just want to make things faster all the time. So it um, really accelerated my Python skills. And it's such an interesting pivot between uh, that career and then the company where I'm at now. It, it was because of podcasting that got me the career because um, because I host so many shows. I needed to scale out the editing process, and I needed to scale out the upload and publishing process. So I dug real deep into what Python was capable of and line by line was able to write a macro that uh, uh, automated a, a standardized editing process for me since we kind of had a, like a, an ABC, very linear recording process so I could just combine all that into several podcasts and then I didn't need to click all the little bubbles on, a, we used Libsyn so I didn't need to click all the individual bubbles by the end of it and uh, really scaled out our network capacity and capabilities. From there, uh, the company that found me on LinkedIn, they were like, uh, okay, so you built that from nothing. You you had no background other than the drive to build that. Okay, have a job. So that's, that's A to C. Yeah, and that's a lot of stuff. So let me just try to recap here and correct me where I'm not correct. You were sure. pursuing a path, uh, multiple paths in your college career that dried up because of the recession. So, you know, not only were marketing jobs disappearing, but also the film angle as well. And so yeah. it sounds like you hopped around many different locations, correct? Before, mm-hmm. yeah, you started having a couple customer service roles, got your foot in the door, um, actually got bumped back, which is another challenge you faced, and got yeah. into IT through coding with Python, right? That's absolutely correct. That, you, you did it. You mapped it out. All right. Cool, cool. Well, that's really interesting and fascinating, and I'm sure a lot of our students would like to hear that because one thing I like to stress is that there is no, very rare, is there ever a direct career path to success? A lot of times there's a lot of turns. You got to walk back a little bit. You got to turn the corner. You got to go a different direction. And you did all of those. And it looks like, it sounds like you're in a field that was not even on your radar. Is that right? Absolutely nowhere close. And it's interesting you use the word radar because I do math all the time. So that's kind of funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your current role. I know you kind of did the broad strokes, but let's take it like a week, a day in the week of. What is your week work like? What are the resources that are put in front of you that you have to now turn into something else? So my role, uh, essentially, artificial intelligence, and uh, it sounds like you reach out to a lot of students, so they're going to know what I, I talk to as I get more granulated. So we, we uh, do a subset of artificial intelligence called machine learning, and sometimes we do uh, something called deep learning. 
And so the pipeline for that is to assemble all your data. It's called data wrangling. And then you run like an initial inference on it. And from there, you uh, start you start training. Uh, it's called a neural network. And from there, you can um, you just start spot checking things to make sure that the neural network can automatically do your job. So my job, uh, my current, my day to day, is sifting through. Uh, as I, I think I started it this way, um, thousands and thousands of uh, of images, and I'm basically just pressing a button, yes or no. This thing's in the image. So if you've ever like logged into Google or anything in the past ten years, and says, is there like a traffic light in this image? I basically get paid to do that, and that's my that's like my Monday, my Tuesday. And then uh, I have to write the script that is going to go through all this and write a, uh, write a, basically a neural network is a tool. So the script will write a tool that will say, hey, I, I'm going to do this for you from now on. And that's like my Wednesday through Friday is writing the, um, the script that will output the tool and then uh, constantly optimizing the tool. Tell me again, what is your actual title? It is a geospatial analysis developer. So what is the end product of all of that work? The end product is a classifier that will identify uh, a given feature. And the stuff I work on, it's all open source. So like, uh, the first thing that was there when I uh, first started already was we were able to identify like, a, like an air cube. So if it had a runway and like planes, we could identify that. They're basically to identify airports. Okay. And so you've identified that. And then what is that? Like I'm trying to... Th- trying to conceptualize it for a student now is this like sure. when you say end up searching on google it pulls up images is it when you're using a map function it knows what that is i'm just trying to conceptualize it absolutely so let's uh let's say you're like a photography student and you're taking pictures of all like these people and you want maybe a computer to automatically tell you was this person smiling or were they sad like just draw some uh, what's called a semantic analysis from it so Based on a person's facial uh, positioning, it could identify whether that person was really like eighty to ninety percent happy, ten percent sad, or wow. or any kind of combination thereof. Yeah. So, um, so our stuff is we're uh, our clients come in and they're like, we want to know if there's going to be a revolution because of food insecurity. So, can you tell us how our crop fields are doing? We could be like, hey, it looks like you're not irrigating there correctly, so that neighborhood's going to get kicked off, and then that's going to cause a ripple effect to other neighborhoods. And so that would be like a real-life thing that uh, we're actually trying to do, and it's uh, very hard. The uh, crop segmentation, and uh, the thing that makes that so difficult is uh, seasonality. So right. everybody in your students will really appreciate this. Once like this, this A, B, quick, implicit, very quick um, relationship, and it's, it, there's, it's just like the path to success, right? You want, this, you want this linear curve, and you're going the same rate every point in, uh, in time, but it's more like, uh, and this is what I had to ask you earlier, you had seen the viral video of um, what I think success is going to be, and it's A to B, and it's just like this nice 45-degree angle, and then what it actually is is it squiggles, and real-life data does not behave at any point like anything you would see in a, in a classroom, so um, I guess that's our biggest challenge is that real-life data um, <laughs> is, is not your uh, curated data that you would find in a classroom. Yeah, so talking about the crops, is that all images that you would be setting up the quote-unquote program to analyze? Yes. Okay, and so the issue with seasonality might be, so if if you're looking at, you know, a bunch of pictures and all of a sudden there's a brown spot, <laughs> you might think, well, okay, it's not getting enough water or there's an infestation, there's something that's killing it, or it could be brown because the season is changing. Is that right? Correct. Okay, okay, all right. Well, that helps a lot because then if you just 
quantify that out to every picture in the world that's ever been taken, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Now, tell me the stats you told me before the call. How many folks are needed, and how many folks actually do this right now? So it's like we're, uh, to get to capture everything and to classify and cluster everything we would want to. We would need eight hundred thousand geospatial analysts at our company alone, and in the industry, there are like four thousand. So huge employment gap which um, ostensibly should mean, you know, big bucks for the, the what they're called GA. But um, uh, with the onset of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning, um, we're automating that away. So unfortunately, they didn't get the, uh, the big pay they deserved. But yeah, a, pay, uh, a big employment gap of 796000 That's going to instantiate the necessity breeds creativity mantra of business, and that's what it did. Right, right. Okay. Wow, that's really amazing. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're a student or an educator, you can search for podcasts by Career Cluster. So, Jimmy, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was famous, and what you are doing today, which is famous in some circles, I'm sure. So looking back on your career, what would you do differently? A lot of anxiety and the uh, the inability to ask for help. I, uh, and, the, uh, and thirdly, the inability to um, promote and be my own advocate. So I would say, uh, as fearless as I was for somebody who tried to uh, do stand-up and improv in college, um, which was basically the equivalent of deep diving into a dry pool and hoping you get water on the way down. I think right. I think I could have taken uh, just a little bit more risk, and I really just needed to. I I, I didn't need to be afraid to promote myself. Um, I right. felt like my results would speak for themselves, and like in that arena, and it's only gotten uh, worse since YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. There's like a million different ways to get content, to produce content, to get your name out there. But uh, with accessibility comes everybody else, so you really have to be able to promote yourself as well. Right? Yeah, you know, it's something I struggled with as well. Exactly the way you put it, you know, put yourself out there when you feel like your hard work and dedication and results would be enough, and a lot of times it's not. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Well, let's talk to the student who wants to do what you do. What advice would you give them? Is there a typical career path? So as far as, uh, I guess I'll A-B this, so with the, the geospatial analysis developer side, I, I took, I'm so sorry, I took just the hardest path. So in, in 2017, I just happened to uh, catch up on all the, the linear algebra and the advanced statistics and calculus that I needed to do. So I would say, um, it reminds me of an analogy uh, my, my dad showed me. So my dad was like, you should learn like a trickle. And he put this sponge under water, and the sponge started to slowly swell. And then he took a dry sponge, and he turned the water on full blast, and the water just repelled off the dry sponge. And he said, that's what you do. And so that's what I did with my AI career, is I tried to learn everything at once, and it was impossible. So I would say, take your time. Take four to six years if you want to be a really good, dedicated specialist in the data scientist or a geospatial analysis uh, realm. And then as far as is comedy, just produce, produce and promote. Like that's your pipeline. That's your day to day. And you, you've got to be consistent with it. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that analogy of the sponge. I'm going to have to remember that. That's really, really good. Well, cool. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? You want to mention those four podcasts you're involved with? <laughs> yeah. So I, I am the host of a Tampa-based podcast network called the Kid-Friendly Podcast Network, and our downloads, since parents are home all day right now, are like tripling, which is fantastic for me. I do the geography fun fact of the day, the animal fun fact of the day, the dinosaur fun fact of the day, the history fun fact of the day, and the joke of the day, which is not a fun fact, but it is fun. 
Wow, that's really awesome. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company and your podcast? Right, the company I work for, if you're looking for a job in that area, it's called Maxar. And then uh, to get in touch with me, you want to go to Instagram. I'm at a wild Jimmy up here. That's a Pokemon reference. And then I'm on Twitter at the Jimmy Murray. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.